Greetings, fellow slingers, and greetings, fellow agents. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you to another installment of our Delta Green scenario, Gaslight, part six. Part six, you know? When I first wrote this thing, I actually thought, oh, you know, it'd be something to fill in between the APs of uh, Dragon's Demand and Bloodlords, Book One, Zombie Feast. I thought this thing would go maybe two, maybe three installments at the most. And here we are on part six. And you know what? I know there's part seven because I'm in the process of editing that thing right now. Plus, don't forget, we'll probably have an after actions report as well with the hard slinging agents, Chris and, and David. But it just goes to show you that uh, no matter how tight of an outline you could put together, just short of railroading somebody to, to keep them on that path, if you got good players, they really make good handlers or good GMs or DMs or judges or refs or whatever because they really force you to think outside of that outline when they start doing things that you really didn't prepare for like contacting somebody's grandpa who is not part of the AP because somewhere down the line something drew something out of that character and elicited a particular feeling and in order for them to resolve that sanity uh loss they had to burn a particular bond and it was just a real awesome experience handling these two agents handling these two agents you know that's another one of those things that doesn't sound right being the handler for these does that even work as well i, I don't even know anyways i'm not gonna i'm not gonna edit edit i can't no we'll just move on moving on don't forget we're out there on all the podcast apps apple google stitcher spotify iHeartRadio. Audible, Amazon podcasts as well. Leave us that five-star rating and review on whatever podcast app you listen to the show on. Please feel free to head on over to our YouTube channel, World Hard 20. Subscribe to us there. Um, I don't know if you guys like listening to the audio of this because there is no video of this, uh, but we would really dig it if you guys would subscribe to us over there and hit that subscription bell or that little notification bell. And if you get an inkling, don't forget we got a Patreon page at patreon.com slash rollthehard20podcast. And that would really help out the show. So please check us out over there as well. Uh, let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Not that I thought this was time wasted, because anytime I spend time with my fellow listeners, it's always good quality time. So let's warm up our dice and top off our glasses. Roll the Hard 20 Podcast presents Gaslight Part 6. You're not saying, not saying we enough or you enough or this. And I'm, dude, I'm like fucking stressing out, you know, well, watching this thing. No, it's not application. It's like, I have to write this description. So, so I get the right applicants for this position that I have well, open. Well, I guess if you're looking for an androgynous robot that has purple hair, that's probably the most awesome platform you could ever use. Yeah. But I'm literally, dude, I'm like stressing out writing this thing. I'm <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, what are you looking for? Oh, uh, about this long and about this wide. Girth. Just come right in through the <laughs> hole in the wall while you're using the bathroom and you act like you're surprised, but you know why you're there. It's not a glory hole. It's a glory doorway. Yeah, it's fine. 
No, it's it's for a principal engineer that I have. Then another one comes from the other side. Oh, I've seen this video, Chris. You don't have to let him. Two girls, one cup. I'm gonna beep that. I'm just gonna oh. cut that. <laughs> we don't give out free free advertisement on the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, we gotta be. You know, we gotta think about these things. Gotta think about the kids. It's pretty bad when it's not for the sexuality. It's for the uh, for the advertisement. So how's everyone doing since the last time we've uh, we banded together? Dude, I think I'm sobered up. I don't think I'll be breaking in any more cars tonight. Sobered up. Hold on. That reminds me. I got to get a beer. Yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking of a, beer. Do you have a cooler right next to you? I, I got like a little uh, little ice. Oh, here. my gosh. Yeah, wow. Nice. <laughs> there we go. I used Maybe to go when I was drinking, I would get one to drink and then I'd take another one and I'd wrap it up in like a towel so it'd stay cold. And that'd be like my roadie next to me at the computer. <laughs> you know, little tricks. That way you don't have to keep walking down to the fridge every, what, 20 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, that's what I do with this. So we're good to it's go like, with that. Keep it like nice Olympic, and cold. It's like Olympic level drinking between you guys. That's because Brian is a Florida man now. We've converted well, him. That's not that has nothing to do with that, actually. Uh I remember Junior and I one time we went to go to LA to go view a concert. Um and I think you and I talked about this, Radke. And I was sick as a dog, but I was like, fuck it. I don't care. It was around Halloween time. And I remember we, we started having a couple of drinks and everything. When we got down there, we were there for like, I don't know, two hours before the show started. Found a seven eleven, oh, bought some Lord. of those uh mit, mit, what do they call those? Tall boys? No, Michadellos or what? What's the ones? Mickey's Big Mouth? No, they're like a <laughs> tomato juice. Modellos? Oh, Clamato? Yeah, Clamato. No, oh, it's Clamato. a motto. It is. Uh, it's like Bud and tomato whatever juice. It is. Yeah, Michelada. Michelada. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the spicy yeah. ones. We had a couple of those, and just then when we got into the into the concert, we started drinking in there, and yeah, you know, we just keep it going all night. You guys are feeling like, good. Oh yeah, this is uh this is before florida for me so anyways that doesn't matter we're, we're getting off topic you know what we need to be on topic this topic greetings fellow slingers welcome back to roll the hard 20 podcast it is i uh, your trusted handler brian and with me my agents rice agent ramirez welcome Wu-Tang! Yeah. reporting for duty sir part six of our gaslight scenario so real quick rundown i don't know if the listeners need this but um i think last episode we had Adrian Ramirez calling his Zadie asking for, that's his grandpa, uh, for some insight as to what to do with some of this mental anguish that he's been having over the past couple of uh, missions that he's undertaken. And most recently after firing off that sniper rifle and what it did to his mind. We also had Agent Rice, who was back at the New Orleans precinct with Lieutenant Fontenot. And they had just got word that there was another another body surfacing. And so at some point, Agent Rice wanted to separate from the rest of the PD to go pick up Ramirez so that they could compare notes and whatnot. And basically try to steal a truck in the process of the in a parking lot of a Popeye's chicken, which did not go well for him. But I will say this. Gold bloom to anyone that can tell me. Tell me the two individuals' names who owned that truck. Wow, that, that's a good one. 
I'm going to lean on the fact that my character was not involved in this, so that would be metagaming for me to reveal such You things. can metagame. <sighs> I don't remember, man. I oh, was... Okay. Bubba and Billy. <laughs> Frank and Julius. Frank and Julius. Wow. Those yeah. are some names. Huh? Julius. That sounds like uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, so, it's my brother Julius. Look, we're twins. He was not enough strong. I could not leave him on the streets of L.A. Agent Rice, you find yourself running from Frank and Julius into a Walmart parking lot. It's about 6.15 at night right now. It's starting to drizzle a little, getting moist. Uh, hasn't started to really open up, but it's dark. You see that occasional spotted illumination in certain portions of the parking lot. They highlight certain cars that you see people moving in and out of the Walmart at the far end of the parking lot. The two individuals who whose truck you tried to procure have long since given up the chase, knowing that you're packing, uh, even though they, they threatened to shoot you. They did not pursue this. What are you going to do, Agent Rice? Uh, I'm going to take, take a shot here. Not literally a shot, but... <laughs> <laughs> David, there... your eyes and my eyes just both went... What? <laughs> Light them up, man. Is there... Do I see a... Do I see a taxi or anything around? Make a luck roll. Uh, Just straight 20? Yep. D20? Mm-hmm. We're going above 10 for good luck. Below for bad luck. Yeah, it's bad luck. It's a three. Oh, you don't see anything on the street at all. You do see, like I said, patrons coming in and out of the Walmart. Not a lot of them, though. Some holding papers over the head, some of them with umbrellas. Even though it's not really cold, it's just an inconvenience of being wet. Do I see a payphone around anywhere? Dude, there hasn't been a payphone on the street in decades. No, you do not. Um, all right, I'm I'm gonna make my way towards the uh, the Walmart entrance, and just see if I can maybe flag somebody down that they might be able to give me a lift. Okay, Agent Ramirez, you have left the Leave It In Motel. Did you procure a, a taxi yet, or no? She no, just told. Yeah, she pointed him towards the cab stand, and he was in the process of drinking a beer and walking out. Okay. As you leave the Leave It In, you notice that there is a taxi stand just on the corner right next to the Leave It In. It, It's not really like a taxi stand. You just see cars that have already been staged for their next passenger. Basically, you Mm -hmm. walk up to the front car and get in, and as that one moves, the next one in the queue would move forward. But the the four cabs are just stationary. Nobody is going out to them. Nobody's leaving them. They're just sitting there in queue. What would you like to do? I uh, So I think Ramirez is leaving the leave it in. You see him open up the door and uh, just steps out. It's like 6.15. So it's is it dark yet or is it? Uh, yeah, it's dark at this point. It's mm-hmm. starting to drizzle too. Sorry. You know, just bottoms up on the beer and just guzzles it. And then if there's a trash can handy, he'll put it. Otherwise, he just like sets it down on the curb as he's walking. Very smooth, one motion, just boom, keeps moving, not conspicuous. And uh, 
So you said there's a couple of cabs? There's four of them queued up. All right, he's going to walk over and just like, hey, 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 who's trying to get a ride? You see somebody, he's in the driver's seat. He kind of leaks around, leaning around, and you hear the of the electric window as it goes down on the passenger side. You see some guy kind of lean forward. Hey, you looking for a ride? And he's like, yeah, man. He walks over. He's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, you you know the city? Yeah, I've been here for a couple of years. Yeah, you know. You know the city pretty good? Yeah. No, well, well enough. Uh, you know, He's like an older man, 60s, uh, comb over with a cap on his head. But you can see that, you know, the wisps of the comb over heavy set wearing a flannel and just cut off jean shorts yeah what are you looking for you know what, he's like let me let me get in it's starting to rain so he'll go and try the the door on the back there okay yeah it's unlocked yeah get on in tell me where you where you want to go and you see that there's a partition between the front seats and the back seat okay so uh ramirez like get in and uh he's like yeah try to get downtown if that's where the the last thing was the last uh, crime scene. So you don't know where that's at. Yeah. So he's, so, he's, he's like, well, mm-hmm. where, where you want to go? Downtown's a, a big place. I mean, do you, can you narrow it down a little for me? Sure. So he'll say, you know, if, um, if the murder, the crime scene was at like 11th and Maine, he'll be like, can you get me to like 13th and Maine? Yeah. Yeah. You bet. All right. And he then flips uh, up the, the tab on it says, uh, you are you riding solo? Just you and I, right? Yeah, just me, just me. So he gets in. He's got like his bag that he just procured from the lady, and he's got like his Ramirez duffel bag with his goods in there, and um, throws that in. pulls pulls the door shut behind him, and uh, he's gonna like reach into the bag and pull out one of the five hour energy drinks. And he's watching you in the rearview mirror, and he slowly closes the plexiglass partition between you guys. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't know who you are, and he just sees you doing a lot of reaching back there. And I do not blame him. He's eyeballing you as he's driving around. He's like, "Yeah, you know, so you you in town for a while, you know? Um, just got a little bit of business. Just uh, you know, just a couple things. I'm uh, taking care of it in town from St. Louis. So oh. I don't really know the city like this. Oh yeah, it's a nice city. I mean, a lot of people give it a lot of static, but I, I find it to be home. You know, as and as he's explaining, go ahead and make a. Uh, a luck roll. Good morning. That's a twenty, baby. That's a, oh, hard, a 20. hard twenty. Hard twenty. As he's bullshitting to you, you uh, you start tuning him out. As you see this Walmart on the side of the road, and you could swear you see Agent Rice standing right next to the entryway, watching people walk in and walk out. And he's like, "Hey, hey!" Whoa! Uh, almost like too much. He's like, "Oh, oh sorry, what sorry." The fuck. The fire five hour energy drinks already kind of hit totally. just a little bit. So he's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just I see my friend. I think I see my friend. Could you could you you turn over like behind this Dunkin' Donuts real quick? I think I I think I see somebody. Whew. Sorry, man. Yeah, you know, uh, is this gonna be a thing? Are we gonna pick up everybody you know? Cause I mean you know, I only he, know he's one already person going, in this town. He's going yeah. through the U-turn to bring it back around. He's he's starting his complaint. Yeah, yeah, you know, where's your buddy at? You know, it's, and he's like, so you see that uh, weird-looking guy in the khakis and the shirt that says whatever it says? Yeah. And he sees you at the Walmart. He's like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he pulls up right in front of the Walmart where they have those large posts. And he rolls down his window and he says, uh, hey, buddy, 
You. you me? Yeah, me you, you, man. Hey, hey what, what's up, man? What, what you, do you need? You know I'm this glad guy you're here. here. You know this guy back here? See the windows um, are rolling down in the back? If, if it'll go down, Brian. It does. It goes down. He's like, hey, man, I think I got that pizza you ordered. Oh, Romeo. Oh, my. Dude, you have no idea how happy I am to see you. Get how in. did you Come find on. me? Blind luck, brother. I think I rolled a 20 or something. <laughs> hey, guys, speaking of 20, it's going to cost you more than a 20 to get you wherever you got to go. No, uh, no sorry. We got you. We got you, we got you covered. I'll, I'll hop into the back seat on the other side. And R- Ramirez is going to look at the guys, um, you know, how it has their name and ID. Okay, it just says Mo Yavel. He's like, Mo, Mo Yavel, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, um, you know, we're we're in town just for some business, but we don't really have our own transportation. Is this your cab? Well, I, I lease it from the company, but yeah, she's my responsibility. If, uh, you know, if you give you give us your number do you think we could call you if we need another ride are you into that we'll maybe work out a rate or something yeah i think we might be able to do something about that sure all right man he uh reaches in he pulls out a, a card and you see it's it's just nasty it's all crumpled in the corners He's like i'm gonna need you just to copy down the number though and give me this back i, I don't have any more cards i'm sorry guys i got you he just takes a picture with his cell phone oh, that's even better so where are we going we still going to uh down to 13th and Main, or uh, I need to get to 13th and Main. And he kind of like looks at Rice and just like winks. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, what, what he said. So, within about eight minutes or so, you guys wind up at 13th and Main. He pulls over, stops, puts it in park. Engine's still idling. Um, and he's, I think Ramirez is gonna look at Salt and just be like, hey man. Why don't you go on to that other crime scene and I'll do my thing right here and we'll meet up in a minute. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll make another excuse while you're not with me, but I mean, I, I hope you got this figured out because this is, they're going to start asking me a lot of questions here, Ramirez of why you're not with me. I only got so many excuses under my hat. Tell them headquarters called me back. Tell them they said they got another team, right? Tell them they didn't need this many agents. Tell them, um, you know, they pulled me off the job. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. But you got, you're going to have to stay totally out of sight for the the rest of this mission. Consider me Casper, baby. Okay, I just I can't be caught in a lie with Lieutenant Man. He's pretty smart. He's he's catching on to a few things, and I think he's going to start questioning what the hell we're doing here. So just just promise me you'll stay out of sight. No, I'm good. And then he opens up the bag. He's like, "You need anything?" And you look in the bag and you see like, what'd you say? A St. Pauli girl, a couple five hour energy drinks, some candy bars, chips some, and shit like some that. Some luckies. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll uh, give me a couple of those candy bars. Sugar, baby. <laughs> Run a tab on his ass. Yeah. So as you get out of the cab to do whatever you're doing, are you leaving the cab with Agent Rice? Or are you just kicking him out and you procuring the, the cab by yourself now? I was going to get out of the cab, but also before I get out, I want to let him know I have that Mossberg. Like, you know, to where the cab driver won't see it. I'll be like, just kind of like open my coat and tap it and be like, like I eyes down to the fact that the thing's over my shoulder. Like, you want this? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, please. Okay. So with a little subterfuge, I'm going to just try to, you know, angle it over to my partner here. 
Okay. Do we have, is, is there, um, it's under your coat, but do we have a bag or anything? Cause I can't be walking around with a freaking shotgun. I mean, I'm <laughs> just in, it does, seem, it does have a, it does have a, it does have a folding <laughs> stock, so it should fit up underneath your coat. Ramirez, I'm not wearing a coat, man. I'm not like you where I'm wearing a freaking turtleneck and a coat in Louisiana. I'm, Look, man, I'm wearing khakis and a polo. What am I going to do with this? So what you're going to tell me is you look like a Boy Scout, but you weren't a Boy Scout. You got to always be prepared, Rice. You know what? You you hold on to it. I, I'll take care of myself. Okay, man. Okay, I got you. And uh, he's like, don't don't worry. I'll be out of sight, but I'll be around. I'll, I'm going to be close. Hey, boys, you guys done sucking each other off? Can we uh, get this cab moving? What are we doing? What do I owe you? 22 bucks. All right. He peels him off a 30 and he's like, I got your number, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Door closes. Where am I taking you, man? Hey, Mo, can you, uh, you familiar with 3206 Renview Drive? I know Renview Drive. I I don't really go social creeping on people down that way. Um, You need to get your ass down there or what? I do. Can you, can you take me down there? We're on it. Let's go. Okay. You just want to leave your buddy here? Is that okay? Yeah, he's good. He's 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 good. We'll we'll uh, communicate through our hey, cell phones if we need. Fuck the guy. All right, whatever. Puts it in drive. <laughs> takes off. You this gnarly pile of shit. So as the cab pulls away from you, Ramirez, you see yellow tape still around the area. Two blocks down, it just stands out. The reason why is because there's so few pedestrians out. You do notice two individuals that are standing close by this crime scene tape, but at this distance and with the drizzle, it's kind of hard to make them out. But you figure it's probably like 150 feet away from you. Okay. And I did say earlier that Romeo had shaved his beard. When he got on the scene, he had like a full beard. So now it's a little bit, just a little bit more subterfuge. Um, Okay. So he's not going to approach that. He's actually going to pull out his cell phone and the number for James Glacer at the power plant. I want to send send a text real quick. It'll just okay. So it'll just say, "This is Agent Ramirez," and then the second one is H. Gave me this contact, and he'll wait and see if he gets something back. A few moments later, you see that the three dots start boop 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 boop, and it says. Do you have an address? Not yet. Wanted to make contact first. Don't contact me until you have an address. Out. Okay. Leaves it, but just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ramirez, he's going to stay a distance away from the crime scene, but what he's looking for is a rooftop that accessible as possible that would have an eye line to the crime scene. And that could be anywhere. I mean, all the all the roofs have these type of uh, French archways and facades up front where they mm-hmm. all look down onto the street below. You see a lot of terraces. Some of them are, are faux terraces. Some of them are, are actual terraces where you could access them from a room or whatnot but but there's anywhere you look there's a roof or a terrace that's visually accessible to what you're trying to do 
So, yeah, I mean, what I, what he wants to do is he wants to go up and he's basically going to create a crime scene. He wants okay. to get up onto the roof and take one of the shells that he had before and drop it on the roof. That's the, the end game here. So he's going to start searching for a spot that's, you know, he can actually get up to. If there's maybe a fire escape, um, something he could sneak up. Well, from where you are at 13th and Main, you know you wanted that the crime scene was at 11th and Main. Mm-hmm. If you go right across the street, you know that there's an alley between the two buildings that are directly across from you, and it does have the fire escape ladders that would take you up to the roof on either one of those two buildings and be okay. able to give you that access. So he will um, look around, just again, that paranoia, making sure nobody's looking at him, and um, he'll start to make his way towards the alley. Okay. Agent Rice. Mo brings you to Renview Drive, and as he's going down, he's look, looking at the numbers, and he doesn't even look any further. He just sees a bunch of cops, congregated cop cars and everything under one of the streetlights, and he kind of stops. He's like, well, I, you know, I, I'm not running from the law, but I'm not going to be running towards them. Do you have anything to do with this? Uh because I'm not going to go any further. We'll just we'll just cut it out right here. You you pay me, and I turn around, and we just go our separate ways. No, no, absolutely. I didn't, if you're not comfortable, that's cool. Um, hey, what was that number again? Your number? And Rice is going to pull out a pen, and he's just going to draw the the number of this guy on his hand. Yeah, and he flashes the card one more time so you can see the number. Okay. And I just write it on my hand. Eight six seven okay. five three zero nine. Three zero. Nice. <laughs> um, no, Mo, you're good. You just stop here, man. I'll get out here. Okay, uh, 17 bucks. Okay, I give him $17. Boom, done. Thanks. Hey, thanks you for see, the lift. We yeah, may no be in problem. touch. No problem. He's already in the middle of his U-turn before the door fully closes. You see him going the opposite direction of okay. the crime scene. Right now, it's about 6.50 as you arrive on the scene. And you can see that the darkening skies, they're, they're doing a little more than just drizzling at this point. It's actually sporadically raining. You see that the steam is just rising up from the sidewalk and the streets as the heat begins to give off to this cooler water. And you see that as you make your way closer towards it, that the police have cordoned off the area, just like the last crime scene. You get within 50 feet, 25 feet, and you could start to tell that there's carnage everywhere. And there's another tarp covering something in the sidewalk. Do I see, um, do I see this other team there? And I'm I'm not fully up on the crime scene yet. I'm kind of off in the distance. Yeah, that's what you just see from a distance. I don't. uh, I'm not assuming that you've walked up any closer. Okay. Go ahead and make an alertness check. Alertness check. That is going to be a come on, baby, come on. Fifty-four over fifty. Fifty-four over. 50. You see a lot of people. Um, a lot of people are taking this crime scene into consideration. A lot of pedestrians, a lot of cops, some people in suits or whatnot, but you're not really noticing anybody that would stand out in uniform that looks like they're part of the FBI. Okay. Um, as I move in, I'm, I'm looking at least for Fontenot because I know what he looks like at least. And you see him, he's in a little cloister of two other officers, and he's comparing his notes to 
these other two officers, most likely they were the first team that were that was on scene. And he looks up and he sees you and he says, Well, Agent Ross, I'm glad you could uh, make our acquaintance. Uh, uh, is that is your invisible partner here right now? Is he standing beside you? Because <laughs> I don't see him. No, uh, Lieutenant, uh, my partner got got pulled away. HQ called him back for uh, a, a different uh, different uh, mission. It's so, just me. Well, I'm just kind of confused why he they called him back, but they didn't call you back, and they didn't call your partners over there back. And at this point, he's pointing to four men directly across the street. And you had seen them earlier, but it, uh, with all the rain and everything and these individuals really not making eye contact with you, you probably didn't pick them out right away. But you now you see these four men all in suits are actually watching you as you are talking with the lieutenant. And he continues on. He's like, uh, so I, I'm a little at a loss for understanding because honestly I think that if you pull on this leg it'll play jingle bells for you you might want to start working that leg because the one you're pulling right now it's all out of tunes no lieutenant uh, Ramirez has a particular set of skills that I don't for this other mission so look man I'm not his boss okay I, I mean HQ calls tells us to go where we go I understand you're confused but they pulled him off and and I I'm here. So this is the hand we have in front of us. Let's play the the cards in front of us at this point. Can uh, can you tell me what's going on here? It looks like the scene's like a total disaster. Yeah. Um, give me just a moment for for hold on a second, Agent Ross. And he looks over at the four men, and he motions with his hand, and one of the men starts leaving the other three men behind, and then the other three kind of start getting in behind him. And they make their way across the street and they actually stand right opposite of you. And you notice that these four men, they just, they've got that machine look to them like they are company cut. And you see the, the one that was leading the procession, tall man, pale complexion, just these broad shoulders and a chiseled jaw. And he just stands there and he's looking at the lieutenant and looking at you back and forth. And he hasn't said a word. I just want to make sure that whatever I tell you, Agent Rice, that I don't have to say it twice to both of you individuals. And I know that he's been waiting on you to show up. In fact, he insisted that both of you arrive. So I only have to tell this once to both of y'all. So as far as we're concerned, this particular individual, 23-year-old Amy Harvel, appeared to be coming out of this her apartment right here and all of a sudden half of her head just vanished she wasn't with anybody she wasn't walking towards anybody all the other bystanders that were walking up and down the street said the same thing they just saw this young girl come out lock her door walk down the steps and just emit this spray of crimson all over the place so once again, I'm left with another dead body in my city that I have zero understanding how it came to be. Now, if any of you agents, and he's looking at the other four men as well, have any inkling as to what happened here, then please clue me in because I'm beginning to think that 
the FBI showing up here might not have been the best thing. Maybe we should get the X-Files over here or something. I don't know. Uh, Lieutenant, to be fair, you've had a string of uh, pretty gruesome murders here in a very, very short amount of time. And, and you, of all people, know that sometimes investigations take more than just a few hours to have leads. So I'd appreciate it if you maybe cut us a little slack. We're just getting our head around this. I understand you've got two murders that have happened since we've arrived, but, you know, we're still gathering information. And you hear the one individual that was leading those four men. He looks at you and he says, he looks towards the lieutenant and says, you know, I believe that this agent may be correct, lieutenant. I think, uh, I think you should give us a few moments here so that we can get our minds together, formulate a plan. And we'll get right back to you. Well, don't take too long, agents. I, I got I got some explaining to do to my high up, including the mayor. And he starts walking away. You see that particular agent look towards you again. And he says, I'm a betting man. And I'm going to bet that you're rice. Yeah, you know me. Who the fuck are you? Just call me Agent Blue. That's all you need to know. That and the fact that uh, it looks like the Bureau may have sent one too many teams. Man, it looks like you shouldn't be here. You hear one of the men behind him say, Yeah, maybe they should go back home. At least they become victims of a serious accident. Agent Blue just kind of looks back at him and looks back at you and says... Look, I'm going to make it very simple for you. We are, in fact, the only team that has been authorized to be here by your agency. We don't share. We don't play nice. Go home before you get hurt. Sounds a little bit like a threat, Agent Blue. And as you're saying that, your phone begins to vibrate in your pocket. And he just sits there and he stares at you, looking at you, looks at his men, motions them back across the street, back where they were originally standing. Phone's still vibrating in your pocket. I'll answer the phone. Pull it out, pocket. I haven't heard a sit rep yet. Give me an update stat. Do you have the dossiers? No, I think, uh, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Can you repeat that? You heard what I said, Rice. Do you have a 20 on Schaefer? And how soon before you get the dossiers? I've already heard from Glacier. He says he's been in touch with Ramirez that he's texted him. I'm assuming you guys are getting close. Give me a set rep. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're still gathering information. Um, can I call you back in just a moment? I'm, I've got a uh, little indisposed right now. Make it rapid, Rice. I'm telling you right now, the window's closing on Schaefer. If he leaves New Orleans before we have that, all shit is gonna hit the fan. Yeah, no, understood. G- give me a few minutes. family. Rice, get those dossiers. Yep, understood. Don't forget the bodies. 
Yep. Yep. Understood. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. The line goes dead. As you look around after you hang up, you notice several things. Number one, the rain has started to fall harder, causing the officers to start scrambling in their efforts to, to cover up more evidence and other portions of the crime scene. Number two, all the pedestrians have all but left the scene. It would seem that getting wet is probably less exciting than looking at a dead body that's already been covered. And number three, the most important, you notice that those members of that other team are nowhere to be seen. Is Blue still around? Agent Blue? Nope. Blue and his other three boys have left. So, uh, did he he left while I was on the phone? Yeah. Yeah, during the during the crowd starting to vacate as the rain started coming down and the car starting to move, it looks like they probably used the cover of that to get out of sight. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move kind of under some cover, so I'm not getting rained on, and I'm gonna call back our handler at this point. What's going on, Rice? Hey, uh, we're we're getting close. Um, we think we have a good bead on on uh, Doc Grandal at this point. Uh, we haven't disposed of the bodies yet, but uh, Ramirez is is uh, you know kind of on the case. I'm providing a little bit of cover for him, cover story, so he can go off and kind of gather more details. Um, I, I have a question for you: Is there there another team here that we on this? You're the only team I sent out there, Rice. What do you mean, is there another team? So I just had a very interesting discussion with uh, Agent Blue. Clearly uh, not his real name, but him and three other agents uh, approached me here and made some pretty serious threats. Can you text me a picture of what this guy looks like? Uh, I can't. They, they uh, When you called me, they, they took it as an opportunity to kind of disperse. I'm not sure what where he's at. It's raining here pretty good, and they they bugged out. All right, well, if you see him again, try to get a picture of him and send me some form of ID of what they look like. Give me a better description. But yeah, you I'll, are the only team that I sent to New Orleans. All I can tell you is that the man was kind of tall and pale. That was it. Oh, shit, Rice, that could be anybody. Yeah, but tall and pale could be a pretty, uh, pretty descriptive of a certain type of person. Sounds company made to me. All right, listen, I hate to be a stickler, but you got to get those dossiers and make sure you take care of those dead bodies with the M.E. Yeah, no, understood. We, we understand the mission, sir. Is, uh, is Ramirez there? No, Ramirez is at uh, collecting data at another uh, crime scene right now. All right, well, keep me posted on a sit rep. Let me know if uh, what you plan on doing as far as shutting down one of the grids. Yeah, we'll keep you in the loop. Ramirez, you found your way up to the top of one of the roofs. It's got a beautiful vantage point of looking right down on that crime scene, and you see two officers down there. Those are the two individuals that you saw earlier that were walking around next to the crime tape. Mm-hmm. And at this distance, you could actually see what they are. They're they're just police officers. They're probably there to keep this, the crime scene secure, make sure nobody goes across or messes with anything. 
Obviously, the body that was tarped over is gone. The ME took that Broussard. Uh, just they want to make sure that everything else is kind of secure, but in the rain, it's anybody's guess as to what kind of evidence will survive. I just wanted to go out on a limb here and say I love how in these situations, it's always like somehow we're responsible for the people getting killed and nobody wants us there. And it's like our fault, but also we have to solve everything. If I was there, I would have been like, bitch, you're a, a police officer. Fucking do, do some officer of the police. Light it up. Like you have resources too, my friend. You're talking about Fontenot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and, I, and, but Chris, you got to understand that, to that most guy. likely these guys are in way over their head. This isn't some junkie That's that came down and, and clipped yeah. somebody's purse, but he is under the belief not only that you're because you're from the FBI or he believes you guys are from the FBI, uh, but he believes that you guys are held to a higher standard and you guys have cutting edge technology. And he's watched all kinds of CSI shows and, and fucking mine hunter and all that other shit, or they probably didn't have that back then, but they had the other one, the criminal minds and shit where he knows that you guys should be able to solve this within the next 45 minutes, give or take a commercial pistol breaks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's their mentality. You know, even jurors think the same way that, oh, you show me the evidence and they should have been able to get the DNA. And we know definitively that this is the individual, but because we have DNA samples for everybody on planet Earth. Yeah, exactly. And, and we also have computer programs that can map out everything on planet Earth and find those people immediately. And we have teams of guys ready with fucking guns drawn, ready to go after these guys as well. Oh, they're already at everybody's work. door. They're, they're yeah. ready to knock. As soon as they get the go ahead, they're da, 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 da. okay. It's this guy's house, you know. Go, go, go! And that's that's the the mentality of a lot of people, and that's his mentality. That he thinks that you, because you guys are on the scene, not just you both, but you six, because mm -hmm. there's four other individuals there. He's like, holy shit, this must this must really require some serious upper level shit to require six agents. This thing's gonna be solved before dinner, and here we are. We're past dinner, and. The only thing we got is a sixth body. I think he should probably be the guy that we frame, don't you, Race? We just put the gun in his hands. The LT or the agent? Yeah, fuck him. No, I well, I think <laughs> I think that these I think that these other four agents are entirely misdirection. Yeah. It's to throw the scent off of us and the LT. Well, to try to frame the LT, you don't even have to make a Hume Int check on this to know that he was actually in the bullpen with Rice while the sixth individual died. So, yeah, no, that's but just I, me. Yeah, yeah, I think these other four agents, though, are misdirection and they're somehow tied to Doc Randall. See, that's not Agent Ramirez. That's Agent Radke. We should frame fucking Fontenot. I know yeah, we man. did it. We'll put the system on trial, son. Um, all right. So Ramirez, he's the guy's down on the street. And um, really, he's just going to um, reach in with a gloved hand again. He's got his little forensics kit. He's going to peel out of the little bag one of the, um, the brass that he shot earlier. Okay. And just near the edge, he's just going to literally just toss it right next to the edge of the building. Like not the building, but the edge of the roof. So it'll just be sitting as if somebody was down there taking a beat on the on the on the uh, sidewalk and blasted this lady, and the thing popped out of the gun. Then he'll text Rice. Well, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna look and make sure nobody saw that. 
99. That is like a punishable failure. Oh, so fuck. Not only did both of those officers not see it, they can't even see themselves because it's starting to come down. <laughs> they went blind. That's a total critical fail right there. Um, all right. So he will text Rice, and he's just going to say, uh, what's your address? Where are you now? Uh, so I'll text back 3206 uh, Renview Drive. Uh, caution. Uh, other team on site. Very suspicious. LT not happy. 10-4. And then he um, will take that address and he'll put it into Google Maps as walking and see how far it is to walk there. Time-wise, it would probably take you about 32 minutes to get there. Okay. Be much less time if you took a cab, but that's how long that your Google Maps say it will take you to get there. Bryce, as you put your phone back in your pocket, it starts to vibrate again. I'll pick it up, answer it. Is this Agent Rice? Who's calling? This is Officer Hill from New Orleans PD. Officer Hill, good to hear from you. Yes, uh, um, you know, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I was looking over some of this stuff in the uh, task force room, and I think I found something that may have been overlooked. Uh would you happen to have a chance to come back here and go over some of this information with me really quick? Believe it or not, I think I might have actually located a central area where all these crimes would crisscross. Yeah, we're, I, we're, I don't want to say it too loud because I don't know where that other team is at, your, your, your buddies. I don't think they're your buddies. These guys are pretty... Uh, Pretty callous. I don't know who these guys are, so uh, I'm yeah, can, hesitant about telling anybody. Yeah, can can we meet someplace other than the than back at PD? I I, I agree. I, I think something else is going on, and I, I think it'd be better if we met someplace outside the PD. Yeah, that, that's fine. There's a uh, there's a Waffle House that's on the corner of Stewart and Brand. Okay. Are you headed there now? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, meet me there in about 10 minutes. Okay, let me... Uh, I, I need to get a ride over there. Okay. Yeah, and do me a favor, Agent. Please make sure nobody's following you. I mean, I can't lose my job, and honestly, I'm not interested in, in being sacrificed for for the greater good of this. And if my granny taught me anything about what's been going on, I mean, anybody that's too close to ground zero of this can become a victim of this shit. And I, I just don't want that. So please take precautions. Yeah, absolutely. I Okay, I appreciate it. I'll see you in, see you in a few minutes. Thank you. And I hang up. So um, can, you, can you describe the area that I'm in? What's kind of physically around me? You see a bunch of uh, apartments, but they look as though there's a a main entry door that probably feeds into a hallway with interior apartments. They line both sides of the street. It's a probably a lower end, a lower income neighborhood. You see there's a corner liquor store and coin-op laundromat right next to it. Uh, looks to be maybe an old park at one point that's directly across the street also, but obviously 
with the rain and everything, nobody's playing in the park and being late at night. You occasionally hear some bums clinking bottles down alleys and stuff, but other than that, most of the people have gone. It's just you, Fontenot, a couple of the officers, and the body. Are there uh, any any other commercial structures besides the laundromat? Just the liquor store and the laundromat. Uh, no, not in this neck of the woods. Okay. It's so probably just... not economically profitable for them to put something in here that may just get broken into later on. Okay, laundromat, liquor store. Okay. Yeah, and as um, you stand there pondering this, you see the ME wagon show up with Dr. Broussard. And he gets out and he sees... Lieutenant Fontenot and, and the other officers, and he's like, "Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm here again. Are we uh, are we getting any closer here, Lieutenant? Are we gonna get any closer? Because I'm running out of freezers." You just see the lieutenant look over at him and just shake his head, like, "I don't have time for this right now." And he goes back to talking to his boys, and you see the ME start going over to the body, starts doing some checking on on her temperature everything else i guess i'm just gonna have to load this thing up in the in the wagon by myself huh is this this what we do we don't help anybody else out anymore huh he's just kind of like blabbering to himself <laughs> as he i think he is yeah he goes over to the wagon FBI, pulls out the gurney kind of rolls you know gets the body up you see one of the officers comes by and helps him they they bring the gurney over to the emmy wagon and start loading her body and well once again lieutenant if you need anything you know where the office is, because uh, looks like I'm going to have to fill up. I mean, it's not even midnight. I'm sure we're going to have another one tonight, right? I'm only on a quarter of a tank of gas. So, uh, yeah, you let me know what I could do for you. He just closes the back door, gets in the car, and takes off. Dude, that guy's salty, man. He's like, I got to go do this autopsy all on my own. It's not like <laughs> I'm the coroner or anything. Sorry. Is How far is the LT from me? Maybe 25 feet from you at the most. All right. Um, so I, I'll go up to LT. Hey, Lieutenant, is there any other information that you might be able to uh, share with me here? I, I know you've already given some information, but anything new since since we last talked? Well, what else are you looking for there, Agent? I'm just... I mean, is. We got six dead bodies. No unsub. I, d I don't know who else to... Uh, I, you know what we should do? We should contact the FBI. They might be able to help us. Maybe they could send down a few agents. I'm just fucking with you, agent. I know you're doing <laughs> you're doing your best, ain't you? What else, what what do you want? I mean, you saw all the all the evidence we have. You no, seen most of the dead bodies. Have you seen all of the dead bodies? No, your ME showed up here before I had any chance to look at this dead body. All you've done is give me attitude since I've been here. I'm asking you if you have any new information on this particular crime scene. Have you? Do you have any new witness accounts? Anything that I might be able to look at? Okay. I honestly, I don't. I don't know that I appreciate your your he, particular he, tone. He takes you by your shoulder and he kind of walks you off to the peripheral, where it's just you two, nobody else. And he looks at the, across the street. He's looking at the other apartments. He's looking at the uh, at the park. You know, it's, it's starting to rain now. You see his shoulders begin to slump slightly, and he looks at you, and you notice that 
It's more than rain that's on his face. He's actually tearing up at this point. And he just says, I feel like I failed in my city. I'm sorry, Agent. I don't mean to come off on you like that. I just feel so damn helpless. I feel like there's nothing I can do. Honestly, I had hoped that you and Agent Ramirez would have been able to help me figure this out. And honestly, I don't know who those other four men are. They came on. Came on strong. Bossing. Demanding. I had hoped that maybe you two were with them and, and you were the counterbalance to their energy. But I, seeing you interact with those four, I could, I could tell you aren't with them. And I don't know who sent them, but they got all the credentials. And so I'm forced to deal with them. But honestly, Agent, I don't know what's going on. And I don't mean to be crass with you. I apologize. But if I don't be that way, I'm going to lose it in front of my men. And I, I just can't do that. I understand it's a stressful situation, Lieutenant. I get it. My, my uh, partner and I... You know, we're trying to, to get information to, to help you close this out. But, you know, my partner's he's not here. You got me. <laughs> you should okay. probably quit. Oh, that's what yeah. I'm told. So uh, help. Look, Lieutenant, can you help me help you? You have a car I can use. Yeah, why don't you take my cruiser? Okay. And it's that dark brown sedan he left in earlier. And he just hands you the keys. It says, uh. There's a key on the ring that'll give you access to the Mossberg that's on the on the dash as well. Uh, all I ask, Agent Ross, is that you keep me in the loop. Let me know. Uh, I'm not even worried about who calls this this individual or individuals. I just want to make sure that we're there to take him down. He can't be allowed to keep on going. This individual obviously has a taste for this. As he's saying all this, go ahead and make a criminology check. It's going to be a uh, seven under 70. That's right. Yeah. As he's explaining this about bite marks and whatnot, it suddenly flashes in your mind that all the pictures that you saw back at the task force room, all the victims looked as though they had been chewed on. They look like large bite marks around the neck. Like something massive took their head and shoulders off. Okay. Hey, Lieutenant, how can I reach you if I have any new information? Let me give you my card. He gives you a card. You can keep it. I have plenty. <laughs> it's <laughs> in pristine condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write it on my hand. Okay, Lieutenant, thank you. I understand you're under a lot of stress. I'm here to help, but this is this is going to take maybe just a little bit extra time, considering that uh, these murders happen very quickly. Yeah, um, I'm just going to take a little time right here by myself, if you don't mind. And he just kind of stays by himself as you leave him and head towards the car. Okay, so I'm uh, as I'm going towards that car. Do I see anybody around? I mean, it's dark, so probably not. Um, well, there are some streetlights, but even under those streetlights, all you see are a few officers that are hanging out by the crime scene. Everybody else is gone. The streets are clear because it's starting to rain at this point. And definitely those four individuals that you saw earlier, led by Agent Blue, 
are not there. Mm, allegedly. Can I, um, I don't want to go straight to the cruiser. I'd like to go like around a building or something and kind of like double back, but, but have a vantage point, you know, okay. where I could see if anybody's following me. Okay. So um, you can see that between these apartment stacks that there are alleys that you can duck behind probably where the trash and whatnot gets dumped. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to make my way towards, um, is the alley between uh laundromat and liquor store? There is one down that way also, but it's at the other end of the crime scene. Like you'd have to go through the crime scene and then keep going down two buildings, like see two stacks of buildings. And then you'd see the laundromat and then on the corner would be the liquor store. Okay. So if, if the crime took place in the in a, in a building, there's two buildings to the left, then the laundromat, then the liquor store, and then two more buildings to the right, and then the main street going north and south, as opposed to the one you're on going east and west. And how far is that from where the the uh, cruiser's at? Which one? The cruiser, the police cruiser, lieutenant's vehicle. To where? To the liquor store and the uh, laundromat. How far? Probably about three hundred feet. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my way toward and the laundromat liquor store right next to each other. Yes, or next to okay. each other. Okay, so I'm going to head that way. And is the alley in between the two stores yes. or okay? So I'm gonna. Oh, no, there's not one between the two stores. They share a common they're on the wall. Outside. Okay, yeah, they share a common wall, and but that is one of the buildings, and then an alley, and then the first set of apartment buildings, and then alley. So okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make my way. Um, towards the laundromat and go around the backside of the laundromat and okay. and then try to open the door in the rear to see if I can get into the laundromat. Okay. And it's unlocked. Even okay. though it's even though it's like almost 7 o'clock at night, you still see that there are people in there that are doing their laundry and shit. So they keep the back door open so they could get some air ventilation going through and just the ceiling fans. They're not running an, They're not running AC inside there. So I had some, I'm doing this kind of rapidly to get in and get back to the front of the laundromat and still have some cover, but see, look outside and see if I need, see if anybody was following me. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and make an alertness check? I was wondering what the heck you were doing. Yeah. I think I got an idea what he was doing. He was trying to see if, if he went around the backside, if anybody would try to follow him and he would be I thought he was going to steal a laundry basket or something. (laughs) Like, where's this going? No, I got to up the speed on it. Yep. That's an eight under 50. Okay. And you don't see anybody following you. Certainly nobody that, that you're concerned about as far as those other four individuals, they are not following you. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm going to make my way back towards the police cruiser, but, um, staying out of the light as much as I can, kind of secretly going that way, and then head towards the Waffle House. Copy that. And that is where we will end this session. Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. And if you like what you're listening to, leave us that five-star rating and review. We have also have a YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20, so if you're into watching, head on over and hit that subscribe bell. 
We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to look for us there and check us out. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can download the current show directly, pick and choose past shows from our archives, or view our galleries. We've got a lot of stuff posted there, so check us out. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So until next session... Keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.